Well, good morning. So good to be with you. Especially when I had to get through about half a foot of snow up in Uxbridge where I live. And the thought of having to go back and to move all of that. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for the time we've had already to lift up your name in song, to worship you through the offering, to fellowship together. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. We're going to read God's Word together, the best place always to start. The most important word we will hear this morning is God's Word, the rest is commentary. So let's enjoy it together. James chapter 1 and verse 17. James 1 and 17. I'm reading from the New International Version. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Amen? Let's have four brief observations that I see in the text this morning. The first thing that I see is that we need to read God's Word. And you're all sitting here and thinking, wow, that's an amazing revelation to start off the sermon. I heard a story recently of a little guy. He was in the kitchen. His mum was busy cooking, and they had a bookshelf on the one side. And he's thumbing through the books, and he comes to this dust-covered book. He says, uh, what's this book, mum? She turns around from her cooking, and she says, oh, that's God's book. Ah, and he looks at that and he thinks about it. He says, well, if we're not using it, why don't we give it back to him? And you know, it, it makes me wonder, because I hear from research that three out of four Canadians have a Bible in their home. But many of those Bibles are sitting on dust-covered shelves. See, I think the first thing we need to realize from our text this morning is that the starting point, just the starting point, is reading God's Word. Interestingly, we're not doing too well on that. 
I headed up the largest study in our country called the Canadian Bible Engagement Study. You can look it up online. It has its own website. We worked with Angus Reid. We had a, a series of 65 questions with 4,500 Canadians across the country. It's one of the largest polls of its kind. And we discovered that reading, just simply reading the scriptures, has continued to decline significantly in our land. Now, I wonder why. We asked a number of questions as part of that study. And interesting, the reasons people gave us included the fact that they were simply uh, disinterested or they might tell us they were atheist or agnostic. In other words, they had some kind of secular uh, reason for not reading it. You, uh, reading it. Uh, but most said they were simply too busy. What I like to call the tyranny of the urgent. They were too busy. When it came to uh, Christians in Canada, one of our big shocks was uh, again the low level of Bible reading. With evangelical Christians, about 51% of evangelical Christians are reading God's word regularly. That was the highest number. I can give you lots of stats. I'm going to just give you one more. When it came to millennials, that's young adults, 20 to 40 years of age, 58% of them never, we're talking Christians here, never read God's word, and 65% of them have never attended a church Bible study group. We are not, as a whole, even as God's people, reading God's word. Now, why are we not reading God's word? I remember when I used to pastor... Uh, people come to me and say, Pastor, I'm struggling to get into the Scriptures. And it would be often, I'm so busy and things like that. But I learned over the years that those are secondary reasons. The main reason why we don't read God's Word is because of sin. James chapter 1 and verse 21 says, Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word. Humbly accept the word. You see, sin is like a dividing wall between us and God's word. I came to faith in Christ um, 40 years ago when I was 19 years old. My mother gave me this Bible. You can see it's got good old duct tape holding it together now. It's had some wear and tear. And you can't probably see towards the back there, but it says Holy Bible over there. I came from a secular, non-Christian background. I, my mother placed this in my hand. She had just come to faith in Christ just before me. And I looked at it and I said, Holy. I'd never received anything that was holy before. I realized right from the get-go that this book is different to every other book. Now, we don't always know today because now you get the little princess Bible, you get something called the message, you get the woman's devotional Bible, you get the hunter's camouflage Bible, you get the waterproof Bible. Yes, there's a waterproof Bible to read in the shower. And many of them do not say holy Bible. But I learned from the get-go that if this is holy, 
I need to come to it in the right way. And some of us here this morning are struggling to get into God's word because we're not dealing with the sin that gets in the way of us coming to a holy word. According to Timothy, the Bible isn't like any other book. In verse 17, he speaks about how it's a good and perfect gift, how it comes from the Father, and how it's truth in verse 18. And as it being truth because it comes from the one who is truth, that's what makes it holy. So we can't read the Bible in a loosey-goosey way. When we read the Bible... The first step is to seek forgiveness for our sin and to ask God to strip away our pride. That's why I focus in with the verse that's on the screen up there on this issue of humbling ourselves. Because we're coming to a holy God. Second thing that I see, so we need to read God's word. The second thing I see is that we need to reflect on God's word. Now I know that you are all here this morning Because you heard I was coming. Not. You're all here this morning because you want to be spiritually healthy. You want to grow in the way of Christ. Interestingly, a few years ago, uh, Kelly Parkinson, I actually uh, sat with her at a conference I was speaking at in Florida shortly after she had finished doing the research as part of the Willow Creek Association and put it together in a book called Reveal. And they worked with more than a thousand churches to to figure out what the top 50 spiritual formation factors are that, that help us grow and develop spiritually so that we would be mature and healthy, both as individuals and as churches. They discovered that by a 70 percentile over every other spiritual formation factor, that Bible reading coupled with, not just Bible reading, Bible reading coupled with reflection was the primary factor in our spiritual health and growth. The primary factor. In verse 25, we're invited to look intently. Just focus in on that one word, intently, into the word. Intently implies reflection and diligent and concerted study. And thinking about God's word. One of the things that I have to tell you offended me deeply was years back when they came out with the five-minute Bible. I'm going, what? Like, God gets five minutes. You cannot reflect on God's word in five minutes, frankly. We need to commit time into God's word. So here we go. Bible engagement Sunday at your church today. Why? Because your pastor wants to help you reflect on God's word. And we have a tool to help you do that. 
It's called the Essential Bible Guide. And taken all together, what you're going to enter into as a church now will be the Essential 100 Challenge. You're going to get yourselves a book afterwards by going through that door and to that table. You're going to get yourself a little tracking card, and it's got little places at the back that you fill in so that you can work through the 100 readings. That's why it's called Essential 100. Because together as a church, you're going to reflect on 50 key Old Testament passages and 50 key New Testament passages because the, the Essential 100 Challenge is designed to give you an overview of the whole Word of God. A good number of you sitting here have never got a sense of what the primary theme and sub-themes of God's Word are and have never really done a good overview of God's Word. And even if you have, you'll find that this is so rich. And so you're going to embark together on this challenge. Interestingly, Kelly Parkinson and her team that did the research for Reveal, once they had done their study, they looked at the 10% of weakest churches in that group of a thousand churches, and they put those 10% of churches onto the Essential 100 Challenge for one year. So they were the weakest in terms of all the indices, in terms of spiritual formation, and in terms of the health of the church. After they had completed the study together, those 10% of churches, they were retested because they had all the stuff to work out where you were in this whole equation of spiritual health. And guess what? Just by changing one factor, helping a congregation reflect on God's word, they were the top 10% of the thousand churches by changing that one factor they were more healthy spiritually, and those churches were growing. That's why you're taking the Essential 100 Challenge. So we need to re read God's Word. We need to reflect on God's Word. And thirdly, we need to remember, remember God's Word. In verse 25, the text urges us to, key words there, not forget, not forget the word. So I wonder what you're doing to memorize God's word. And some of you are sitting there and saying, ah, oh, Lawson, I've got one of these. <laughs> Why would I need to remember God's word? I just tap that and I go to my Bible app, version or Bible Gateway, or whatever you've got in there, and there it is. Well, that's well and good, good for you. But you know, it's interesting. I can be going to sleep at night, and lying there, and maybe a little troubled from something in the day, and because I have stored up God's Word in my heart, the Spirit of God brings that to mind and ministers to me. Or I can be out and somebody comes to speak to me and they need some word of counsel. 
I can't be pulling out my phone and saying, well, I think it's somewhere there. But because God's word is stored in my heart, I can share the word of God with them and immediately together we can move to a place of healing or whatever, uh, a word of encouragement or whatever is required at that time. It's so important to memorize God's word. I was interested, I discovered some years ago, that down in the States they have something called the National Bible Bee. Now you've probably heard of spelling bees. You know where they come up and they've got the thing around and there's judges and they get given a word and they have to spell it perfectly. Well, there's something called the National Bible Bee. And interestingly, they uh, work from five authorized versions of the scripture, so you can choose which one to work in. The, uh, the, it's for uh, elementary and high school students. They all have to learn 1,500 verses. They have to do two full book studies as well. There are elimination rounds, and eventually 300 of them get to go to Nashville in Tennessee where the finals are held. Now, the hugely popular Scripps National Spelling Bee, their top prize is $35,000. The top prize in the senior division of the National Bible Bee is $100,000. The total prizes each year, because it's sponsored by the Shelby Foundation, is $350,000. I heard about that some years ago. I still had a son who was in high school. I said, Jonathan, you are learning the scriptures. We are going to pay off the mortgage. Because he's got a great memory. I was so pumped about that. And I made applications and found out about it. And they said, sorry, you're not American. So I still have a mortgage. (laughs) Now, you may be a little shocked by the extravagance of the prize money. Phil Vischer. Who knows who Phil Vischer is? Ah, yeah, I see those are the VeggieTales guys. Now, lots of you know VeggieTales, right? He's the producer of VeggieTales. He's one of the, he's one of the co-presenters at the National Bible Bee, and he says this, I quote, he says, these kids are learning the Bible so they can live Christianity well. See, we don't just read and reflect and remember God's word just because. It's so that we can live the word. I like to call it so we can be living epistles. Or, as I sometimes speak about as well, so that we can be Nike Christians. Just do it. Because that's the whole reason why we come to God's word. To live it out. Nine-year-old Olivia Davis, who was the 2012 primary division winner, said nine years old, she said this. She said, if young people, I quote, all did Bible be... We could change the country forever. I've always believed and challenged myself with this. That if just one of us was to take this word and truly live it, we would see renewal in our homes, we would see renewal in our communities, 
we would see renewal in the church, we would see revival in the land. Read, reflect, remember God's word. Which leads us to the fourth point. Respond, respond. The first three actions lead to that important fourth action. Now that's the most important part of this whole message. Interestingly, God's word says three times in verses 22, 23, and 25 that we are to do what the word says. When the Holy Spirit repeats something in the scriptures, you've got to know he's saying, are you getting this? Are you paying attention? If our Bible knowledge doesn't move us to action, we've missed the whole point of reading the word. acid test of Bible reading and reflecting and engagement generally, as I've already said, is just doing it. Now James knows that there are a lot of people who just don't get that. So he uses an analogy and he speaks about a mirror. In verses 23 and 24. Now the mirror is being compared to the word of God. And what he's essentially saying is when people read the Bible but don't do what it says, they're like people who look in a mirror, then go away and forget what they look like. My daughter's 32 now. When she was about four years old and obviously developing a sense of herself, she loved to look in a mirror. I'd sort of walk into the area where we had this big mirror, and there she'd be standing, checking herself out. I'd go off and do something. 20 minutes later, I'm back, and there she's standing. I'm going, what's up with this kid? But I guess it was part of her developing her identity. She's not vain, and she doesn't do that at all anymore. In fact, sometimes I think I should show her a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell her I told you that because <laughs> she's sort of got all hippie-ish on me <laughs> very natural <laughs> but here's the point when we come to God's word and go away from it and don't act on it it's like a person who looks in a mirror and forgets what they look like David Kinnaman, who's the president of the Barna Group, it's the largest research organization in the world, along with Gabe Lyons, who was the founder of the Fermi Project, they wrote a book together which was simply titled, Unchristian. And in that book, they said that only 3% of American uh, 18 to 41-year-old Christians held a Christian worldview. Only 3%. In other words, only 3% have their thinking, their decisions, their values, and their actions in line with God's word. You see, we can't live according to God's word if we're not reading, reflecting, remembering, and responding to God's word. And the figures are very similar for Canada. I'm deeply, deeply concerned. 
to have the word of God as God's people and to not live by it is a spiritual catastrophe. So where does this leave us? I used to think that what we need in Canada is a Bible-reading revival. But that's only partly true. Let me illustrate with a story. It's a young woman who loved to read novels. This was back in the day when we had bookstores and before Amazon. And she'd go down to her local bookstore every week and she would thumb through the racks, find herself a novel, take that home and read it. One week she did that and she found a book and she took it home and she sat down and she started reading. First page was rather blah. Second page wasn't grabbing her. Third page, she started to yawn. Fourth and fifth page, she started to say, this is really boring. But she'd paid good money for it. She tried to press through the first chapter, didn't really make it, and eventually put it down. She says, that has to be the worst novel I have ever bought. And she put it to one side. A couple of months later, she met a guy and fell in love. They started going out together. And their relationship started to blossom. And it got to that point where she started to think, this is the guy. Maybe he's going to ask me soon. I'm going to get some bling on the ring finger. And so she was like all her... Her senses were all on high alert and they were out having supper one night and it was a lovely restaurant and there was candlelight and he leaned over and she thought, maybe this is it and her heart was going and he said, there's something I haven't told you and her heart went to double speed and he says, I'm a novelist. Oh, she said, well, why haven't you told me this before? She sat back a little disappointed that it wasn't the big moment. And he says, well, I wrote this one novel. And he says, I thought it was going to be a great success, but it bombed. And he says, I was depressed and I haven't written since then. He says, but I'd really like to write again. And she says, well, what was the name of the novel? And he told her. And in the recesses of her mind... She's saying to herself, that's that terrible novel that I threw away. (laughs) She didn't tell him that, of course, because she's deeply in love with this guy now. And so uh, she ate a little faster because now she was intrigued. Got home, she gave him a quick peck on the cheek, and she ran inside and got into her PJs and started hunting around the house. Eventually found it lying in a box at the back of her of her closet behind her shoes and she whipped it out she jumped into bed she turned on the bedside lamp and she started reading the first paragraph was riveting she got through the first page and she was hooked the storyline was phenomenal she got to the second and third pages she had goosebumps she was so excited In fact, she could not put that novel down and she read through the entire night. And as the sunlight was coming through the curtains and she knew she'd have to get ready for work, 
She took her novel, put it down on the bedside table as she finished it, and said out loud to herself, because she was so impressed, that's the best novel I've ever read. Now we smile, because we know what made the difference, don't we? She'd fallen in love with the author. And you see, that's what makes the difference here. We don't need a Bible reading revival. We need a Jesus revival. Because when we fall in love with him, we'll fall in love with his word. Because what is this word? It's a window through which we look and see Jesus. And that's why, that's why we're starting the Essential 100 Challenge. Yes, to get into God's Word, but most importantly, to meet with Him daily. Here's a final point as we close. I love verse 25 in our text. It says that if we do those things, read, reflect, remember, and respond to God's word, there's a conditional promise. It's conditional on us doing those things. It says, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. How many of you want a blessing? One person at the back. Okay, two, three, four, five. Okay. Boy, you, you guys are really with me this morning. Did the pastor put up his hand? Okay, okay, good. I'm assuming, I know you Baptists and like it's a little difficult to get the hand up sometimes. I'm assuming you want to be blessed by God. There's the promise. Be men and women of the word. And that's when the blessings come. Isn't that wonderful? He's such a good, good God. Finally... Two quick things. When I came to your seniors group, I mentioned this to them and actually spoke on reaching children from Deuteronomy chapter 6. This generation of Canadian children and youth are more disconnected from Jesus Christ, his word and his church than any previous generation in the history of our nation. The entrance of God's word brings light. We desperately, with the time remaining, need to connect this generation of children with God's word. And so we have on the table for you a set of five books, 
for three to eight-year-olds that covers the five main themes that that age group should know. And on every page, coupled with the fantastic artwork and the rhyming and the little things they've got to find on each page, is the scriptures for a parent or an adult to unpack with those children. It covers creation, the birth and death of Christ, this one, which is the gospel, the good news, and then the last one in the series is heaven, because we recognize that those are the five key components of God's word that that age group should get. We developed the series 18 months ago. We've sold more than 60,000 already uh, to Christians in Canada. Because parents and grandparents and others are saying, we desperately need to connect our children with God's word. They retail for $7.95. The cost price is $2. Because some of you put up your hands this morning to say you want to be blessed, all of you can have those for $2 each. Share them with as many children as you can, please. And then, lastly... Oh, we'll just get this in on time. Lastly, we have discovered from that Canadian Bible engagement study that most people desperately need a handbook. The Word of God is not easy. And we don't always know what the practices of engagement with God's Word are. And so we developed, and it got published in July, this book called Bible Engagement Basics. It has 40 standalone chapters because we know that most people have had their brains rewired by the internet and you can't just read a whole book. So you still have to do a little chapter that's maybe three pages long and then go and recover. This book will help you do that. It's, it's already sold 22,000 copies in English and French and is in 120 countries since July. 50 plus percent of every church we go to, because I do this every week, I'm visiting different churches, 50 plus percent of the adults always take a copy of this book. And they say to me, Lawson, I've desperately needed a handbook to help me understand things like how I pray the scriptures, how simply I should be interpreting the scriptures, how I meditate on God's word, etc., 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 it's all in there. You need this handbook along with your essential Bible guide, along with reaching children. This is like Bible engagement Sunday bonanza. It's all going to happen. <laughs> this book retails for $18.95. Just because pastor wanted a blessing this morning, our cost price on this is $5. And have it for five dollars if you cannot afford it because i really it's not enough for me to come and share a message with you i really want to help you just please take a copy i'll cover the cost of it because i desperately want you to grow as a congregation in the word of god and this will help you do it as well are we good let me pray father god thank you so much for for this church, thank you for the testimony of this church. Thank you that this church is known as a Bible-believing, Bible-engaging church. But Lord, I know I've read the Bible maybe 30, 40 times. You keep in count, not me. And yet I've still got so far to go 
in learning how to engage with your word in order to meet with you. And so, Lord, just as I need help and all of us need help, I do pray for this congregation, that as this congregation seeks to meet with you in and through your word, that you in turn will meet with each one in this congregation and that this church will grow in spiritual health, not for itself, but for the good of the kingdom and for your honor and glory. And we ask this for Jesus' sake and in his name. Amen.